Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Kafaru Cast. I'm still riding solo. Frank is um, still uh, hunting mule deer in Idaho. But uh, uh, we've got a super cool guest on today, um, Bowyer, uh, a guy I've followed for a long time, especially getting into traditional archery, uh, Trent Wingard with uh, Wingard Archery. Did I pronounce it right? I always say Wingard. Is that correct? Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for, thanks thanks for, for coming on. Yeah, heck yeah. Um you uh y- you've gotten you've gotten pretty big pretty quick with the whole uh the bow building thing, haven't you? Almost to a level where you can't keep up with now, huh? Yeah, I I've been really lucky that way. I I uh just guess the right people really help out <laughs> in this industry, you know, uh Turner and Davis and Andy Ponce and a couple different guys really, really helped me out a lot getting started and uh yeah, it, it took off faster than you know than I was thinking it would. So yeah, really thankful for that for sure. Yeah. Well, how long how long have you been building bows? Uh, since two thousand two, um, kind of a hobby thing. Um, just got into it for yeah, you know, just you know build a bow for me. And you know, dad wanted one, then my older brother wanted one, and my cousins wanted one, and you know, just kind of went from there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I build a few every year. Um, I started in 2002, uh, and then I, I started kind of making my own, uh, you, know, just, you, know, you know, coming up with my own styles and stuff, uh, you know, just like two or three years later, which were horrible at first. <laughs> but, you know, that's how you learn. And uh, uh, kind of kept it, just kind of kept tweaking things. And finally, uh, uh, me and my wife had moved down to Colorado for seven years. Um, and, uh, and uh, we were like, you know, we're going to move back to Montana. So I was like, you know, job change anyway. We're going to, uh, you know, we're going to jump into this bow building thing full time, uh, you know, right when we move, which is about a year and a half ago. And uh, so that's that's when I made the leap full time. But but yeah. Gotcha. So have you um, like you're just I mean, I'm not saying you're not unknown in the outdoor industry you're certainly known especially on the traditional side of things but um you've knocked down quite a bit of animals with a stick bow um and you're not exactly chatty patty uh as far as uh, letting everybody know that your your accomplishments so let it all out there man let's hear some of the cool shit you've done um well i i've gotten kind of lucky with some of the tag draws um so yeah i was able to get my mountain goat and I tried for sheep, and that's kind of how me and you got to know each other a little bit years ago, which I found out later, I guess you thought I was a game warden, right? So, <laughs> I did. Well, man, you can't trust uh, those little bastards. They're like low-hanging fruit, you know? I get these phone calls from mysterious guys of, hey, I drew a really good tag. And, uh, you know, I thought I didn't initially think you were a game warden, and then, like, first day you sent me photos of one of the Rams, and I'm like, this fucking guy's a game warden. He's trying to get me to come out and help him and pay me or whatever. So I, I kind of uh, blew you off after that, but yeah. No, no, that's, that's all good. We um, that, that helped me out like crazy because uh, just because some stuff that had happened that year, um, some tragic stuff in the family, whatever, and I, I, I wasn't able to go scouting, and which is why I called you. I was, I was hoping maybe you'd been in that area. I knew you'd been on a sheep hunt uh, right before that, but I didn't know if it was in that, you know, in that in that unit or not. And sure enough, it wasn't. So I, I, uh, 
yeah, you kind of told me where to go and kind of helped me out there. And that was, man, that was Did huge. you walk? I, I don't know what I You walked done. right into him. I couldn't believe when you sent me that photo. I was like, no way yeah, this guy was... did that. <laughs> yeah, we went up. Um, we went up there. Uh, to, I, I had somebody with me the first uh, six days, I think it was. And uh, we went up there. Um, the one area that you had told me about went up in there and he got fogged in. It was just rain and fog uh, for like three days. Couldn't glass anything, couldn't see anything. Uh, you know, at one point we heard some stuff, you know, moving around in, in the rock slide, you know, right up uh, up from us there. Uh, but, you know, you just couldn't see anything. Um, so finally on the third day, it got just windy enough to where we could, uh, you know, the the fog would kind of lift here and there. And so we kind of went up to the top of the ridge, took our sleeping bags with so we could crawl in there and stay there, you know? Um, and, uh, we had, we had to hang out a couple hours, um, until we finally, um, uh, were able to see and we kind of checked the one basin out, nothing in there. So we went over to the next basin and, uh, uh, sure enough, there was, we, we, uh, yeah, we found two, that's two rams. One was just, just a small one. I mean, I, yeah, he wouldn't even been, uh, been illegal, but then the other one was a, I mean, it was a beautiful ram I and mean, it was, it was a nice ram. And, uh, it was kind of at a bad place for a stock with a stick, but I mean, compound, you could have just hammered him, which is maybe a bad thing to say, but it's, <laughs> it's true. Um, but I, I, I saw where he was. And I was like, man, I, I don't think I can get closer than 70 or 80 yards. And, you know, because I was watching from the opposite side. And uh, I was like, yeah, I should probably just hang out and watch him until he moves to the place that I can actually get to him. And my one buddy was with me and he's like, oh, you know, you just, you shot a, a nice goat last year, opening day, you know, you need to do that with your ram. How cool would that be? And, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give it a go. Um, you know, cause if I knew if I sat there and watched him and he'd go somewhere, I couldn't, you know, just disappear. I'd really kick myself then too. So, you know, I'm just going to go for it. So I, I thought too, you know, beginning of the hunt and I already found a ram, like how hard can it be? I can find another one if I screw it up, <laughs> which is the wrong thing to think I found out. But, uh, anyway, um, went over there. Uh, I was, the one spot I knew I could get to this one spot. And so I got there and, uh, as luck would have it, if I, if I laid down flat and just scooted down the hill, uh, I'd be just low enough to, where I could, you know, I could just, if I kind of picked my head up, I could see the, his horns a little bit. And so I, I started just sliding down the hill. Um, but then one of the rams moved, got up and moved in the bed and, and, and then he was more in full view now. And so I was stuck. Um, I should go back with the video. It was a long time. <laughs> I was just stuck there and in weird positions, ants crawling all over me. It was crazy. But finally, um, finally he got up and started feeding off to the left. And uh, so I, when they started going, I, I quick uh, got down to where they were and started, you know, just dogging them. They'd go over a little ridge. I I would quick go up there, and the one time he he uh, he went around this little ridge, and and I, I quick went up there and came up. I saw him out there about thirty five, I'd say, and 
um, started slowly coming up to shoot him, and he kind of saw movement in his top limb. And so I just froze and like just hoping he would go back to feeding. I, I, I wish now I'd have just kept going with, kept just kept on pulling back and, sh- and just shot. But he he got nervous and he took off up the hill and uh, kind of on one side of this cliff. And uh, so I ran up the other side. Well, I, I ran the first little ways and I got tired and walked, but <laughs> it's, it's steep as I'll get out. And got up to the top of the cliff and I saw him on the next cliff over. Um, it was a ways, like it was, it was too far. I mean, I practiced that distance all summer, but I, I wasn't necessarily going to take a shot at anything like that, you know, that far. But in the moment, I knew that was my last chance, and uh, I decided I to shoot, and I, I shot, and arrow went right over his back. So, <laughs> um, and what do you think, gone. ram yeah. size wise? What do you think that was that a pretty good sized one? It was a good ram. That was that was actually the ram that I sent you a. Uh, yeah, uh, that was I, a I very two or three. That was a very good ram <laughs> for that unit, especially. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I, I was I, I was really disappointed first few days, and I already got a shot. I was like, you know, I'll be able to find another one, and I'm not picky besides. Like, I'll I'll get one. Well, after that, it was wow. It was a lot of looking and not a lot of sheep. <laughs> and I, I I would find some sheep um, here and there, but they were like a mile and a half away. Then you'd try to get over there and find them again, and I mean, it's crazy. You'd see him go into a basin or something, and I'd go over there, and so, sometimes I'd blast and look in that area for like two days and not be able to find him again. It was it was insane, and, and, and that was my first sheep hunt. I'd never been on a sheep hunt, uh, um, so I, yeah, they, they are. You know, when you find them in the rocks and stuff, they are surprisingly hard to see, and I I'm, I don't know if I just missed them or if they're just in some little crevice somewhere I couldn't see or what but you know I would go around look different angles and be crawling over the ridge top and I mean it's just it was insane I just could not find him again most of the time and uh the one time I found found a ram mile and a half away and took off I was like this is my chance like heading over there and and uh halfway over there this little airplane comes and flying all over the place buzzes the ridge that he was on um, like twice, and um, I figured it probably spooked him off, but just in case, I went over there. Yes, you, know, you know, and yeah, you, you uh, get over there, and he's gone, and just had some weird stuff like that happen. And and uh, long story short, um, never was able to get another shot at a ram. So you you it was, kill- a, it was a real fun hunt for sure. You killed a, a damn good goat a year before though in Montana, right? Yeah, that was. Um, uh, drew a tag. Um, I, I was getting tired of putting in for the non-resident, you know, those non-resident fees, you know, because I had built points, you know, because I this is where I, uh, I, uh, I grew up here, you know, and so I was like, I'm just gonna put in for the easiest to draw unit, and I, I drew it, and um, um, it was a good area actually. You know, there's a lot of goats. It's just really rugged, I guess, and for some reason, people don't want to put in for there as much, and. Uh, um, but yeah, we're, we're able to get up there and, um, got a nine and a quarter inch goat. So yeah, I was really, really happy with that for sure. Came in, uh, uh, I was able to talk my dad in 
to uh, to uh, going up with me and, and my my cousin Caleb and we went up there and uh, um, it was um, opening day. We 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 spotted these things on the way up the night before and opening day we got in there and uh, watched them. Waited till they fed around this one ridge and uh, had to sneak past this one other goat um, and uh, got got up got up to the, this one little peak, this false peak and. Uh, um, seen embedded down there like 80 yards and I got some bushes in the way, snuck in to about 30 yards. Um, there's some pretty nasty cliffs. I wanted to make sure I got a good shot in because I had heard a lot of stories of people not being able to get their goats after they shot them. And, uh, so I snuck in on, on, uh, some other goats. Uh, there was a group of seven and in that group, there was about three of them that I would have shot. And, uh, uh, one of them was right below me, about 30, 35 yards. Um, I could kind of see the top of him and everything. And I was waiting for him to stand up. Um, and then uh, this other goat stood up like 60 yards down the hill or so and fed all the way up to within like 12 or 13 yards. And uh, gave me kind of a quarter and two shot. I shot it and uh, went down, ran down a hill, um, I shot at it again, but I was so excited because I knew it was dead on its feet. I <laughs> I rushed the shot. I shot right over it. It's out there about 45, 50 yards, and but it just took a couple more steps and rolled, you know, rolled down the hill. And uh, um, so yeah, that was that was really cool. And you know, Dad wasn't with me when I shot it, but he was able to lay in the tent and kind of watch me stalk it at least. And uh, so that was really cool. How how old's sure. your dad? Ah, uh, boy, he was born in 56, uh, that would be, he'd be 62, no. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, he, well, he, he's, he, right? I think so, he's up there, <laughs> that's yeah. awesome, he's able to come along, there. yeah, yeah, he, he wasn't too sure about it, but I talked him into it, and really glad I did, it, it was rougher getting back, back in there than what I was thinking, and, uh, but he did really good, got back in there and I, I know he really is glad he went. I mean, he still talks about it. So it was a, a great hunt for sure. Yeah, no, that's awesome. How many, how many, uh, cause you kill quite a bit of elk as well with, uh, the stick, haven't you? Yeah. Elk is kind of my main thing. I, I, it, it was the hardest thing for me to start killing. Uh, you know how it seems people have kind of a monkey on their back with certain animals. Uh, that was me with elk. Like, um, it took me a long time, <laughs> long time to get my first one. A lot of, I, I, they would come in, you know, it's this giant animal. And I just get so excited. I would, uh, just mess it up, <laughs> mess a lot of elk, um, early on. Uh, but yeah, when it seemed once I finally got one, you know, I was able to get one every year since, you know, so it's kind of to break the ice type of thing. So, so yeah. Was, what, what's uh, your biggest elk. bull? Elk is my favorite. Uh, my biggest bull with Reeker is, um, uh, he was like 312, I think it was, you know, a little over 300, uh, six by seven. Um, a good bull. I mean, you know, you know, for this area, especially it was a good bull. So, so yeah, really, really happy with him. Gotcha. What, uh, I, I, to, to be, to be honest though, I generally just shoot the first thing that comes by. I've passed up a few, but I generally shoot the first thing that comes by. So, me killing something big is basically 
luck because <laughs> I, I have the hardest time holding out for anything. I, I just, I can't do it. So, so yeah. Yeah, I feel your pain on that now that, uh, well, I wasn't that good of a trophy hunter to begin with, but now that I have a stick in my hand, I actually probably might be a little bit better because I got to wait anyway. Um, but yeah, it's a different, yeah. <laughs> uh, different, uh, I don't know, for me, I mean, I shot so much stuff with a compound, it's a totally different feeling of putting something on the ground with the, the stick bow. Um, and And I think, uh, you know, when you... You know, it's getting a lot bigger now, but in, initially when I was kind of looking into it, there wasn't as many, um, I'd say people to, to to follow or look at. I mean, there was some, but, you, you know, you, if you weren't in the know, you weren't, uh, you didn't really know where to look, right? When you just, uh, you know, to bounce things off of or check out gear or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I um, Tom Clum uh, and Joel had told me about, you know, your bow and which I have one now. And the one thing I will say is they're fast um, and, or they have very good speed, but your grip is extremely repeatable, um, which is hard to find. And, and that's the one thing I like the best is that grip is, is, is uh, I won't say foolproof, but pretty damn close. You don't, I don't have any torquing issues or repeatability issues, which is good. And, and you're pumping out really good speed um the one i have now is 64 inches and i don't you know i don't know all the what are, what are the names of your different bows because i don't i mean honestly i just called you told you what i wanted you kind of whipped it up you know for me um kind of what do you offer i guess um so right now i do three different models um I, you know over the last however many years i've built pretty much every style like i kind of decided to kind of stick with what i like hunting and shooting um, so I, I didn't want to do too many models cause then it gets, I don't know, it gets kind of confusing for me and the customer, but, um, I, I, I shoot or I, I, um, uh, I build, uh, the Ibex, um, and that would be my takedown recurve, it's a three piece recurve. Um, and I do that with an 18 inch riser, a 15 inch riser and a 13 inch riser. And I can get lengths anywhere from 54 to 64. Um, and, uh, that's, I, I'd say that bow with the carbon lens is is the one I sell the most out of all of them. That's my most popular one. Um, and then uh, the other one would be the uh, chamois, um, or it depends where you're from. You might call it something else, but here we call it chamois. <laughs> There's little <laughs> animals that run around um, you know, on the Swiss Alps and stuff. Anyway, um, uh, that was my three-piece longbow. Um, that one... Um, it's a it's a great little bow. I I honestly it I, I don't know why. Sometimes I wonder why I shoot a recurve because it. I, I think I just like the way they draw. I like I just like the look of them too, to be honest. But uh, th- those longbows, I mean, and I, I've talked to you know different boyers, and it seems it's this way for most guys. Is you know those longbows are actually pretty fast, and they're right up there with the recurve in speed, um, and they're generally as quiet or maybe a hair quieter um then really the only difference is the draw force curve like they they don't they're not quite as smooth at the back end you know um but uh but yeah that's that's the uh, hammy I, I do a 15 inch riser or a 13 inch riser in that one um and lengths from 56 to uh to 64 i've been having a few guys ask for 66 uh, so i might 
I might uh, be prototyping some limbs out soon. To see. How, Did you have one of those guys out, right? ask so, in the last couple of days? I had a super tall dude and uh, had referred two bow companies, you being one of them. And he was like a 32 inch draw or something ridiculous. And I was like, I don't know. Dude. I was like, I think a 64 will work, wow. but yeah, yeah. It, it's actually that, yeah, the 64 is good after about 32, but I mean, I could see if I had a draw like that long, I'd probably want the 66. So actually, yeah, it seems to me somebody emailed me uh, just recently about a longer bow. I think, and he was wanting the, the one piece bow, which is the, the tar, um, um, that one, um, right, right now, the longest I built is 64, but I had a number of guys ask for 66 inches on that one too. So I'm going to, um, be doing that right now. I build them down to 58 inches, but I, I used to build them years ago. I used to build them down to like 52 inch. So I'm going to, I'm going to make another form, uh, probably build them as short as 54 because there's definitely a market for those short bows. Um, I like shooting them just for fun kind of, but I, I like hunting longer bows personally, but, but yeah, you yeah. get used yeah, to the, so those are kind of the three models. I use. Gotcha. You get, that's one question I get a lot, you know, coming from the compound is the length. If I have issues, which I, I mean, I guess, you know, it's like anything, right. You get used to what you're, what you've got and then it becomes the norm, I, I guess. So I, I don't even notice the length of the bow now. Um, I noticed that I like carrying it a hell of a lot better because it's lighter than the compound. Um, and and I actually, you you put G10 in mine, which I like a, a heavier bow. Um, so mine's a little bit maybe heavier than your standard models just because I, I like a little bit of weight on my bow. Probably come, coming from a 12-pound compound, it's a little bit weird um, going to a super light bow. But I've had people been bugging me lately that I should shoot a longbow or try. Um, I tried a, a Centaur, which is a really well-known long uh, longbow, um, and I couldn't sell it fast enough. Um, I hated it, and I'm not saying it's a bad <laughs> bow. And that's the thing with, I mean, if you shoot, and in, in, this is my own personal experience, you know, if you shoot 30 different bow makers' bows or models, a couple of them are going to kind of sing to you. They're going to, that's going to be your bow. Mm -hmm. Um, your bow is one of those for me where it hits right where I'm aiming. Um, you know, I, I, uh, my point on with, with yours, with the arrow setup I have is about perfect. I'm about 38, 39 yards, anywhere in that 38 to 42 is, you know, kind of where I like as far as hunting goes. I, I really like that. My point on in there, um, and again, it's super repeatable. I don't get a lot of lefts and rights with yours, um, which with other bows, uh, I will, which is, you know, that's me. But again, everybody is going to have one that, that just, um, you know, like I said, you know, it, it fits you. But what uh, price wise or whatever, what do you, what do you kind of your, your price ranges run for your, your different models? Um, basically, uh, right now, the, the, the base model, which is, I mean, to be honest, nobody actually orders the base model because it's, it's not an ugly bow, but it's, uh, it's not dressed up at all. I mean, it's, you only get a couple options for the riser, uh, with different wood. And, and it, instead of that double footed flare, it's just like a, it's an arched accent strip. And, um, I mean, it has black glass limbs. Um, and, uh, so the, uh, the base model for the takedown bows is, uh, 800 and, uh, the base model for the one piece is 
Um, boy, I think it's like 750 or something. Um, and then, yeah, if people want carbon limbs, you know, carbon's really expensive and so on. So that, you know, it starts adding up if they want a double-footed flare with, with uh, you know, you know, pretty much any option as far as wood goes, uh, you, know, all, you know, all the exotic woods and everything. Uh, that adds another upcharge. Uh, so it, it goes up from there. It, like the, the average bow I sell, you know, double-footed flare, carbon limbs or the clear glass limbs, um, they're usually in that uh, thousand to $1,200 range. Um, you know, by the time, uh, you know, guys get exactly what they want, uh, with the different things. So, so yeah, the, the base model, I, you know, when I, I wanted a base model, you know, so the, you know, cause I was thinking when I started that people would want, they hadn't heard of me, they probably want to, um, buy a base model just to try out my bows you know, before spending too much, but it, it seems people, uh, even if they have that, um, so yeah, I haven't sold very many base model bows, which, uh, kind of surprised me at first, but, um, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Now I talk to different lawyers and stuff and, and it seems to kind of be the way it works. So. Gotcha. What, so, uh, yeah. what's your backlog right now? I know a couple of times I've called you when I'd ordered mine. I, I, uh, which you haven't been too bad. Uh, I can tell when you're extremely stressed out because you stutter like a son of a bitch when you're stressed. And then when you're calm, you don't <laughs> stutter at all. So I knew if I called and you were stuttering a little, you were like super high intensity workload. So what, uh, what's your, what's your uh, backlog now? Um, right now my backlog, I started spacing out my orders a little more, um, uh, just cause like this summer and even right, right now I'm, I'm, I'm behind a little bit. Uh, well, Put it this way: I was this summer. I was able to keep up pretty good, but when hunting season hit, and you know, I took those two weeks off to go hunting in Colorado, and and uh, that kind of set me back. So now I'm playing, trying to play catch up, and um, so I'm behind now a little bit. So I, I kind of saw what was happening, and I want to make sure I can go hunting in the fall next year. So I uh, I started spacing my um, um, my orders out a little bit more, and uh, you know if I ever run out of work, I can always build stock bows, you know, so I decided I'm going to play it that way. So I for sure don't overbook. So right now I'm booked out to, uh, December of next year. So, so about 14 months or so. Not a, not a bad position to be in. Um, you know, no, at all. No, it's not. Well, it, it's, it's, uh, as I'm kind of, I don't say I learning and, uh, trying to understand some of the, thought process behind um different traditional archery companies not just boyers but uh well i'll give you a prime example (laughs) the the mountain muffler strings which are the strings i use um Mm -hmm. okay so if i call you and say hey you're gonna make a shitload of money and this isn't gonna cost you anything and you don't do it i often walk away wondering what the hell is going on with people in traditional archery. Uh, he would be one. Um, he won't start an Instagram page. <laughs> don't know why. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Makes an awesome string. I like them. Some guys don't, but I, I like them. Um, you obviously are quite a bit more up to date in it, but, um, you know, with some of the traditional archery companies, obviously they started, um, you know, building bows a long time ago and some of it's part time, you know, there's very few, from what I've found, full-time uh, bow builders, you know, a lot of them, it's kind of a hobby that cr- became kind of a job. Um, 
And so, you know, like you, uh, you know, South with Stalker, Black Widow, uh, got really good names. Uh, and then you look at um, Blacktail, I guess, is another really well-known bow uh, manufacturer. Mm-hmm. They kind of went into the um, more high production from what I understand. But, um, you know, it's it's four different um, – uh, people kind of looking into it, it, it is kind of, even though it's a much simpler system than a compound, you know, guys have a lot of questions. It's a bit overwhelming what draw length and, and uh, you know, to, to what bow length. And, you know, a lot of guys just go buy a bow and have no idea. And they, you know, they grab a bow that's 58 inches long and they've got a 30 and a half inch draw, um, you know, a lot of finger pinch. And so, I mean, you kind of suggest like for me, I'm, I'm a 29 and a half inch draw, uh, to be in that 62 inch range. I ordered a 64 just cause I wanted a, a little bit longer bow. Uh, but what, you know, what do you mm-hmm. usually suggest kind of as a ballpark from, uh, let's say, you know, 26, seven inch draw up to 32, what length should guys use? Yeah, well, I, I, I usually kind of ask if, if they like if, or like or want shorter bows or if they want to go longer. And, and so, like, if somebody says they want, like, a, like say they have a 26 or 27-inch draw, uh, but they like a longer bow um, or, like, like they don't want to go with a short one, you know, um, then I'll, I'll steer them towards my 18-inch riser. Um, or else you say they're talking recurves. Um, I'll steer them towards my 18-inch riser with the 60-inch limbs. Um uh, or, or if they want a shorter one, they could go say with uh, the 15 inch riser with a 58 inch limbs, or if they want a really short line bow with a 26 or 27 inch draw length, uh, you know, they could get a 13 inch riser with the 54 inch limbs, you know? Um, and then, you know, they're, they're in your case. And like, just, uh, let's go back to the 26, 27 inch draw length. Uh, I've, um, if, if that guy orders say a 64 inch bow, um, especially with the recurve, not so much with the longbow, but with the recurve, um, if he has a short draw length, uh, and, and then he orders the longest recurve, um, it, it'll actually, uh, it'll actually kind of stack at his draw length because they, they, they kind of come up, uh, if you, if you look at the, at the uh, draw force curve, it'll, it'll be gaining quite a bit of poundage and then it kind of drops off a little bit. It doesn't drop off, but it like instead of gaining three, three and a half pounds per inch, it'll it'll drop off to gaining like say two, two and a half pounds an inch. And uh, but say with the sixty-four inch bow, that doesn't happen until after uh, twenty-eight, twenty-nine. You know, so with the, say the sixty-four inch bow, you want to be shooting at least twenty-eight, twenty-nine. I mean, twenty-eight minimum. It, it'd be better like say twenty-nine plus. It, it'd be good for the 64 inch, uh, the 62 inch is a really good all around. Like it'll be really good for say 28, 29, 30. Um, you know, so you kind of have that window where it's ideal, you know, and, uh, I, I don't think some people will quite understand that, um, with, with the way the recurves pull, you know, with, with the way it gains more in the middle and then drops off. If they compare it to a compound, it makes perfect sense because uh, when someone explained to me, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. a compound in the middle of the draw cycle sucks. 
because you're loading yeah. everything. You know? So yeah. it's kind of the same yeah. principle on the, the the force curve or the draw cycle. Um, in the middle, it's going to be a stiffer draw. So if if your draw length is 26 and the, the bow is built for in a redneck terminology for a 29 to 30 inch draw, you're actually stopping your draw length um, at one of the hardest points of that draw cycle because it's it's that's how the yep. limb yeah. was built. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and that and yeah, for that reason, I I get I was surprised actually how many people have a really long draw length, and um, so those longer bows have been more popular than what I thought they would be. Um, but yeah, I definitely probably, I mean, if I had to put a number on it, probably the 18 inch riser, 62 inch limbs would probably be the most common. Um, so, um, and it seems a lot of guys are in that, in that range there. So yeah, your, your bow, I, I know draws smoother than I had anticipated because, um, I, I feel like a dick, but I got to bug you to build me a heavier set of limbs. Cause I, I, um, I'm kind of of the opinion that I, I, I want to shoot the most weight that I'm comfortable with. I'm very conservative. I don't certainly don't shoot heavy poundage compared to what I could probably shoot. But I I felt like I was drawing a kid's bow back, drawing that bow. Uh, to a point, I took it to the scale because I thought you mismarked the limbs, um, which you didn't. They just draw smooth. <laughs> and uh, so um, – and, and, and you get compounds the same way. You know what I mean? Like every, every – um, uh, like different bow build, whether it be compound or recurve, different draw cycles are, are um, you know, catering to, you know, like speed, for example. Um, I looked at some of those borders and uh, what's the mm-hmm. other one that's made in the U.S., the fast one, super curly tip limbs, um, uh, Morrison. Yeah, a couple of them would be Morrison. Morrison, yeah. Morrison. yeah. And – it was crazy, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with either of those bows, but it was almost like it had let off, and the the limb, <laughs> to me, and I'm not I'm not saying I don't need a bunch of people messaging me that I'm wrong, did not seem super stable at full draw. Like I was like, that fucker looks like the string's gonna pop off. They they you know and and so for for me I'm kind of a not safety first, like, uh, you know, worried about getting stabbed in the eye, but I really would, I would rather lose some speed and have a much more stable limb, especially torsionally, I guess, or, or horizontally stable, Mm -hmm. um, than I would the speed, Mm -hmm. um, where you kind of have, you don't have insanely fast speed, uh, but your bow, you're certainly up in the, you're in the upper end of the speed category with a real stable limb, um, and your and your bow does draw super smooth, or at least the two that I've screwed around with the most um, draw smooth. Yeah, thanks. No, that, that's um, that's one thing I love about those carbon limbs, and I, I not so much anymore. But when I first started, I had a ton of people uh, asking me about the carbon, and just automatically would they'd assume it was faster, um, and, and it's not. Uh, it, at least this particular carbon. I used to use a different carbon that was faster, but it made the limb more unstable. But this particular carbon, yeah, it 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 makes the limb uh, a lot more stable just because you know, cross weave and everything. It just it just that limb is rock solid. Um, whereas the glass limb, which there's nothing wrong with glass limbs. We've been you know how long have guys been building glass bows like since the 50s or maybe even earlier than that. Um, there's nothing wrong with the glass limb, but uh, that that carbon 
is super stable and that's what I really like about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I just love, love how stable it is, you know? And, uh, and that's, that's really because of materials like that. It's the only reason guys can build like those, those, uh, crazy recurves you were talking about with those, uh, with those, those big hooks on the end, um, is because of that, that material. Um, if they would try to do that with a glass lens, it's just, I'm, I'm sure it could be done, but it'd be super, super, super hard, <laughs> you know, to get it to, to stay straight. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure. Well, what, um, uh, we got about 10 minutes left before I go to a meeting. So what, how, let's hear about your elk hunt this year. And you were, were you hunting with Chris Prino when he was down in, uh, what he draw a New Mexico tag? He shot a good bull. Uh, yeah, I think he went to Wyoming. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I, yeah, we went down to Colorado. Um, I, uh, my one cousin had come with me and hunted with me the first six days. I think it was, uh, for five, five or six days, he had to go home. Um, so yeah, then I hunted a few days by myself in the last three days, uh, Chris came, uh, he had shot his bull and, and had some, had some extra time. So he, he said, Hey, can I stop in? So he, uh, he came by and he kind of helped me, uh, set up on a few elk and, and yeah, it was, it was, um, it was, man, it was, uh, yeah, it just, it, it was my first throughout hunt. I've, you know, here and down in Colorado, like I lived down in Colorado for six or seven years. And then here, you know, I've always hunted public land over the counter and this was my first draw hunt. And I didn't really know what to expect. I was expecting it to be better hunting than, <laughs> than where I normally hunt. But, um, it, it, I had, to be honest, I kind of had trouble finding out. I mean, I, I found them, but they, they were still bachelored up. Um, they weren't talking. Um, and it, yeah, it was just, it was hard. It was hard to hunt them, hard to get within bow range of them for a while there. Um, and I, I did finally get into a couple different herds. Um, uh, kind of first part of the hunt, I finally found a bull that was really talking good. Uh, he had a herd. And, uh, so we worked in there and I, I called him in to 35 and then, then another bull came into 15. But I just, uh, with the way, with where he came in, and everything, I just, I couldn't get a shot, and, uh, they finally left, and the next morning, I called in that same bull again, that same herd bull again, it's a really good six by six, um, I, uh, so yeah, the next morning, I, I kind of went back to the same area, found the herd again, and, uh, I called him in again, and, uh, but again, I just couldn't get a shot, had some spikes walking right by me, and some cows, but not, not the herd bull, and, and so then that, that went, took a few more days, uh, and I found another, see, I'm starting to run together here. Um, anyway, uh, found, found another herd, um, uh, with, you know, with another good six by six called, called him in again. Um, she called him into like 40 yards, but too much brush and wrong angle and just no shot. Uh, and like an hour or so later I called him in again. Uh, but yeah, just couldn't, couldn't never get a shot. And, uh, then finally that the one day, uh, I did, we did spot some bulls, uh, some satellite bulls. So it's one herd that was bedded out in the open and I, I snuck in, my cousin stayed back and called and I, uh, while he was calling, I was sneaking in and I, I managed to get in there, snuck in right on him and they were going to walk out 
just perfect. I was going to be able to shoot one of them. They were both smaller bulls. Um, but then the one took a nosedive down a hill and came right around the tree that I was by. <laughs> and he, uh, he spooked. And so I just drew back my bow, stopped him, but he stopped dead away. Like it, it, I would have had to shoot him right up the butt basically. And, and, but then, but then the other bull was standing out there, uh, farther, but he was broadside. So I just, I just pivoted over and shot at him. But, uh, I don't know what I was thinking because I shot right through this little sapling. I, I didn't even remember thinking about the tree when I shot. <laughs> so anyway, I hit this branch and my arrow, dove down uh, down by its feet and I missed him by far so yeah it was kind of rough going I was pretty discouraged I didn't know what I would really wanted to fill my tag area like that I'd like surely uh, yeah anyway uh, some of the locals said it was a really slow year which you you hear stuff like that you don't know if it's true or not but anyway it it was finally the last three days uh man things kicked off I found an area that there was some elk and man, things really kicked off and, uh, managed to get in the one morning, um, had to, had to, there was a bunch of other people behind us. We slept at the trailhead and we're trying to, we wanted to be in about two miles by daylight, uh, cause we knew these area, these elk were in this general area and, uh, it's the type of thing where there's, you know, there's people right behind you basically hiking in. Well, I mean, there was people right behind us. And uh, so it's kind of one of those foot race things. We we get back there, and I I, I just can't stand with those other people around. It just drives me nuts. But I, I kind of knew it was my last day to hunt, and I knew I wasn't didn't have time to go anywhere else. So we went, uh, got down in there, and uh, just as luck would have it, we managed. We heard the one bull bugling, and we we got in um, in the little draw right next to him, and. Uh, Chris, Chris went down the hill a little bit, started calling. Um, but then we, yeah, we pretty soon realized we were too high. So we quick went on down the hill. Uh, we happened to bump two elk, two cows that were in the draw. And, um, kept on going down, got down to where we were right below his level and started calling again. And, uh, all of a sudden two bulls start bugling behind us, like on the other ridge and, so I was set up for this bull um, that was uh, the first bull we had heard. And when I, and he kind of sounded like he was going farther away. So I quick beat feet down to the, the draw and set up for those other elk. And uh, they uh, they were coming in, but really slow. And also I turned around and look, and there's two cows standing right where I was standing. And, you know, it's the last day, man, I was going to shoot a cow. <laughs> I was just wanting to fill my tag. I uh, get some meat home and, and so they were standing within a couple of yards of where I was standing and I was real beat out. So I, uh, I, um, I was sneaking my way back over there. I thought, you know, I get to this one bush, I can maybe shoot one of the cows or the bull follow the cows and I can maybe shoot him. And sure enough, the, the bull came out, uh, topped over the ridge. Um, looked like he was going to go higher. Uh, but then luckily he kind of, uh, angled down the hill, uh, came ordering to it like 35 yards and, and stopped and started turning to go back up the hill. And I quick cow called and stopped and, and got him right there. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's how that hunt worked out. It, it was, yeah, I, 
it's hard to know sometimes when to be aggressive and when not to like my me, me being, you know, being aggressive and trying to move around on this other elk almost cost me a chance at him, but then in the end it did work out. So that was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It's a good sized bull too. Um, especially it's always good when you have a good sized bull on the last day, because normally like you're shooting a calf or yeah, a cow well, on the last day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, I was, yeah, the last, I was really, yeah, I would have shot by anything. <laughs> Just luckily, I, you know, had him come by, and uh, luckily Chris was there to help me pack out. That was man, that was nice. Yeah, I he's an three miles back to the drivers. He's an interesting dude. Um, he's a super good yeah, guy. I got to yeah. give him a call. He um, he swung by the shop before he headed out to Wyoming, or maybe with you. I'm not. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, super good guy. He he obviously. Um, has quite a bit of determination um, going for him. Um, yeah. It seems like because he's been pretty successful, which that shit just doesn't come on a silver yeah. platter with a stick bow. So no, he came out spring bear hunting with me. I had known about him for years, um, but uh, never met him until this spring. He came out spring bear hunting, and I I was only able to go with him like three days or so. But we backpacked in this one area, um, set up camp about five six miles in, and and. I, I told him before he came, it's like super rugged stuff that you'll be stalking bears with, you know, you know, mountain goats and sheep and stuff. And I, I don't know if he believed me or not, but <laughs> we got back in there. He was like, wow. And so we, we found a bear and he, uh, he had to go through some like rock slide to shoot, take some ledges over, climb up through some crevices and cliffs and get over and around and, he did that whole stock. He he walked right past sheep and goats and everything, and he he got right in to where that bear was. But somehow the bear had slipped off without me seeing him. If there is enough brush there, they can do that. And but yeah, so he he did this big long stock and came in perfect. Now he he knows what he's doing, and he put in a lot of effort to get over there too. It was pretty pretty cool to watch him, but. Uh, but yeah, cool, cool dude. It was glad, uh, you know, glad I got to know him for sure. He's, you know, uh, yeah, he's a really cool guy for sure. So. Cool, cool. Well, man, I I appreciate you coming on, and uh, and I definitely encourage everybody looking at getting into traditional archery. Jeff, you know, check out Wingard and and uh, Trent Wingard. And where so where what's your you know Facebook, Instagram, and all the you know Insta, Google, Tweet, Face stuff? Where can they find you? <laughs> Uh, Instagram, uh, is, uh, at Wangard Boyer. Um, and then, uh, Facebook is Wangard Archery, I think. I, I don't do very much on Facebook, but yeah, I, I am on there. Uh, I think it's Wangard Archery, uh, website, wangardarchery.com. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a ton for, uh, for, uh, uh, call me. I, uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting that this morning for sure. So <laughs> no, <laughs> no. For and uh, for people, it's W E N G E R D is how you spell Wingard. And uh, no, I just had kind of made a a note that I wanted to get you on. Um, you know, before season, and um, you know, I, with my season's been crazy, man. Between it took you know a miracle for me to kill this deer, and then I've had a couple of health things happen, and what, and so I had. <laughs> This week I had off before I go to Alberta, and I had this list of people to 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 try and get a hold of, and and you were one of them. And I'm like, well, I know Trent gets up early, and well, 
if I wake up his wife, I guess she can yell at me later. So I shot you the text. So man, I'm glad you were up and I'm glad you came on. And, uh, and yeah, you make a hell of a bow, man. I encourage anybody, anybody looking into getting a traditional archery, give Trent a call. Yeah. And uh big congrats on your buck too. I just watched the, uh, watched the video on YouTube and yeah, it just seems some hunts, it just stuff just doesn't work out right away. And that, it's pretty cool to see you stick it out for sure. Yeah, the one thing I do have is I w- very few people will outlast me. Um, not on a bragging thing. I mean, it's probably more of a dumb shit thing. Like, it's just, dude, I get tunnel vision and I'm goal oriented. And uh, yeah, I mean, dude, to the point, you know, hands all screwed up. I end up pissing blood later on. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I got a deer. I almost died. You know, I wasn't that bad. I didn't almost die. But, you know, I looked like a refugee coming out. And uh, I just. When we yeah. came out, I told Frank, I was like, dude, we got to go back in. I'm like, I don't care about elk hunting. I'm like, I if I don't kill a buck in there, dude, I, I will not sleep right for years. Like, this will haunt me. Yeah. I have got to yeah. go back in. And, yeah, you seem to be the same way. That's, so, Yeah, I was just ready to say it, it drives my wife crazy sometimes because I'm that way with elk. Like, And I think the reason is, like I, like I said, elk was kind of my, my nemesis with a bow. I, I had killed literally everything else except an elk. I had killed bear, lion, deer, all kinds of stuff with a bow. I just couldn't get an elk. And and I finally realized the only way to get one consistently (laughs) is to just, you have to have a never quit attitude and just go, 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 go. And have an attitude that at the end of the season, you don't regret anything as far as effort goes. And uh, yeah, it seemed like, (laughs) it seemed like you're that way with deer too. I I really want to get into the high country deer hunting too. Um, I just something I've never really done. I've more hunted whitetails down low here and, uh, you know, muleys out in the, out in the badlands, like the badlands plains type of thing. So I, I, I'd love to get into the high country mule deer stuff. I helped my older brother pack out a buck uh, a couple of days ago and, um, just, it's cool being up in that country. You know, you see grizzlies and, and goats and sheep and yeah, that's definitely something I want to get into for sure. Yeah, no, for me, it's definitely not a specific animal. It's whatever I've deemed that I want to make sure and succeed on that specific year, you know, where elk was really secondary for us this year. We have plenty of meat in the freezer, and I just really wanted to kill a a good high country buck. And, uh, you know, you talked, shit happens, right? I had a lot of hunting pressure and didn't, you know, animals move to where it wasn't as conducive, but... I mean, like you said, you're proof of it as well. And Chris and a lot of everybody that's successful, if if you just stick with it, uh, not all the time, but generally, it's just going to pan out in your favor. I mean, just put enough effort into anything eventually. eventually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you may get divorced. You may uh, lose 20 pounds. You may may get fired. (laughs) But eventually, you'll probably get your animal. Well, that's the only reason I'm self-employed now. So <laughs> I can't get fired in September. So. Yeah, no uh, my, my old boss, my old boss probably got tired of me, but like when I drew my, my goat and my sheep tag, both times I told him that I was kind of self-employed, but I still kind of worked for them. And I was like, look, I, I don't care if I don't have a job when I come back, I'm going to go hunting. <laughs> and, uh, not everybody has the luxury of doing that. And definitely with a, with a bow or stick bow. I mean, if you, yeah, you got to just put in a lot of time and definitely not a luxury that everybody has, but I, I've been lucky enough to be able to spend a lot of time, you know, out and that that's the main ingredient, it seems like. So, yeah, no, definitely. Well, cool, man. Well, I really appreciate you um, 
you know, getting on here and uh, I'll probably end up pestering you again kind of later on in December, January when, you know, the dust has settled through the whole season and kind of touch back and shoot shit. Yeah, yeah, perfect, yeah. Cool, man. Thanks for the call. Yeah, no problem. Take it easy. Yeah, you too. Bye.